Today's reading is from 1 John 5, verses 1 to 12, and it can be found on page 1228. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has his testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sheila. So I want to throw... Um, I want to get this out of the way first. <clears throat> I want to throw a statement at you this morning. <clears throat> Whoever tells the stories defines our culture. Whoever tells the stories defines who we are, all that stuff we hear on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis, that's defining us. And so the question is, what stories are we hearing today? And if the story of the church, or the church's story rather, is getting heard less and less and less, then what are the stories that are replacing it? Are they stories from politicians? world leaders? Um, are they stories from advertising companies, all those advertisements we see here and there? Are they things we read on Facebook? We don't really know where they've come from, but you know, we'll read them and it sounds kind of good maybe. Uh, anything on social media? These are all the stories we're getting sort of more and more swamped by today. And in particular, I wanted to find out what it was young people are particularly hearing and um, so I did a little bit of research, and I, I went on YouTube, and uh, I found out that one of the most popular YouTubers uh, of all time, it seems, at the moment, is a guy called PewDiePie. Now, I don't know whether you've heard of PewDiePie. It sounds a bit like Cutie Pie, but it's PewDiePie. He, um, he has 119 million subscribers across all the social media platforms, and he has huge influence. And he has single-handedly recently been responsible for bringing people over from 
from one online game to this other online game called Minecraft. And uh, I don't know if you know Minecraft, but it's a bit like Lego online. You kind of build things with it. Everything's a bit blocky. And, uh, and so I thought, OK, well, we'll look into this. And it turns out that the video that got everyone across to Minecraft was um, watched by 34 million people. And, um, and he, you know, he's even had an effect named after him, the PewDiePie effect. You know, this, this guy has amazing influence in our world amongst young people today. And I wanted to share with you one of the stories, one of the testimonies of this PewDiePie, so that you can see the sort of meaningful thing that kids are experiencing these days. And this is, this is in his own words. I literally wrote it down from the YouTube video. So I'll do it in a funny voice so you get it's him, not me. Um, <laughs> hey, after all these years, I'm back on Minecraft. OMG, is that a horse? Are there horses in Minecraft now? OK, bye-bye, horse. I really don't remember how you play. Oh, you chop down wood. So how do I build a twig? Oh, that's how. I still got it, baby. Oh, I'm learning so much about science right now. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's Kitty. OMG, this is so easy. No, don't you dare kill Kitty. I think he's saying this either to a zombie or a villager. I'm not sure which. Oh, can I murder them? I'm a murderer. What have I done? And so on and so on. So you get the idea. It's, um, it's vastly popular. It's what young people are hearing. It may not be terribly meaningful. It's not exactly the line, the witch in the wardrobe, but it's making him millions. So that might seem, you know, a world away from 1 John 5, but I want to suggest that there's a link between PewDiePie, the PewDiePie effect, between the stories that we hear in our daily lives and what John is saying in 1 John 5. So this, this John that we're talking about, one John, um, the historians think is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. It's the same John that was the much-loved disciple of Jesus. And he is now living, this is um, towards the end of first century. He's um, looking at the new church in Ephesus, which was Eastern Mediterranean. Um, some of you may be in there on holiday, maybe. Um, and he's seeing that there's a group of people amongst this new church that are having quite a lot of influence on the, the early church of the day. And, but this influence is actually trying to point people away from Jesus, the Messiah, not towards Jesus. John, in these letters, wants to bring people right back to the gospel. He wants to, to rehear the story of Jesus. So, for a moment, imagine that you're in first century Jerusalem and seeing the man that you thought was the Messiah dying horribly on this really cruel instrument of death, the cross. And as you see him dying, you, you run away and you hide in an upstairs room. You, you don't dare come out because you're scared of being captured and possibly even being put to death. Your hopes are shattered. Everything this man said, it's all just broken. There's, you know, it's end, the end. But then you hear something strange. You hear that this man, Jesus, has risen from the grave, that he's alive again. No one was expecting that. And then you meet the resurrected Jesus face to face. It is true. He is the Messiah. He is son of God. 
the one sent to live with us and to give us life. There's a, me a reason for this excitement and amazement. People don't just rise from the dead, but then this man was God and man. And there was this explosion, the new church. There was such excitement, such movement at this time. But then, of course, at this point, a few years later, there is this faction that's starting to doubt the witness of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, to turn away from loving others, to come up with a completely different message. And this is the point that John writes into with these letters of 1 John. He emphasizes in this passage the command to love the Father and his Son, and through this to love one another. And he writes that this Christian belief in universal message of being loved and loving one another can help us to overcome some of the pressures and the darkness in this world. And John goes on to talk about Jesus as water and blood. And this sounds like a bit of a messy kind of description, but um, where is that cross? Is that there? That wasn't a symbol of Jesus. That wasn't the story of Jesus back in those days. They didn't have the symbol of the cross yet. And so John is using this idea of water and blood to describe the story of Jesus. And so if you think about it, Jesus' incarnation, he comes as flesh and blood. His baptism, he gets baptized with water and the Holy Spirit, symbol of water. And then, of course, his death and resurrection. The death, the blood at his death. And John writes in the Gospel of John, this little passage towards the end in John 19. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of water and blood. The man who saw this has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may believe. Now, if you look it up, there's actually a, a kind of bodily reason, a physiological reason why water and blood might flow from a body after it's dead. That's a bit gruesome, this, sorry. Um, but if you um, pierce, certainly around the heart, this, this really does happen. And this flow of water and blood is also symbolic of the gifts of Jesus to us through his death. You can think about it when we share in communion. So we see the the symbol of water and blood is like the cross. It's just that symbol of Jesus living and dying for us. But if we don't believe in this water and blood Jesus, what do we believe in? Think about it. Hallelujah, the nice hippie beach teacher from Nazareth is dead and buried. That wouldn't bring so much transformation, would it? That wouldn't give this energy, this power to a new church. Or for those who said, he didn't really die. Again, why were these ordinary disciples of Jesus, those fishermen, tax collectors, these people who had no influence at all, why would they suddenly explode onto the stage 2,000 years ago? Maybe because they had met the risen Christ and were baptized by his spirit. What do we believe happened? People, John seems to be saying. If you don't believe Jesus is both God and man, then God is still a distant God. He's a God of law, not of love. 
If you don't believe Jesus is truly God come to be with us and die for us, then the gospel is a lie. All that talk of peace, love, forgiveness, compassion for, for others, in the sometimes brutal world around us, is all very nice, but it's meaningless. It has no way into our hearts. In the final verse, John states, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So whether we believe in God, whether we believe that Jesus was that reconciling force between us and God, whether we believe, whether we haven't yet made up our minds, whether we believe in something completely different, our present is defined by the loudest storytellers. Now, we're about to enter into a time of Advent. Uh, yep, Christmas is around the corner, folks. And so I thought I would share a poem by Christina Rossetti, which has been made into a carol. Some of you may know the words, but I think it's important for this. Love came down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead, love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus, what shall be our sacred sign? Love shall be our token, love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and neighbor, love the universal sign. So what is it we want influencing us and the world around us? Is it the online influencers with their aim of making millions out of us through promoting gaming or the latest lifestyle product? Or the strident anti-faith voices? Is that what we want influencing our world? If we take away faith, we create a vacuum for the loudest influencers of our day, good or bad. Or do we look to the story of Jesus, of his life, his actions, his words? Is his story of peace, forgiveness, compassion, is that one we still think is important in our communities today? If you think it is, even if your faith is a little bit shaky and you're not quite sure, if you find that light a little bit attractive, then maybe you can be an influencer for Jesus. In Jesus' name, through how you live your life, how you treat others, the words you speak. Let's be bolder storytellers. Let us be the influencers. Let's point to the light of Jesus in the world today. And of course, we don't tell stories just through our words. Remember that saying, actions speak louder than words? What then are the actions that tell our story today? How is it we are expressing the love of God in this world around us? Well, things like All Souls Ivy Bridge, the volunteering, the support, the many different ways people support it through prayer, through donating, all these things, through the volunteers on the ground there working away. This is all acting out the story of Christ. So if it's true, whoever tells the story defines the culture. And if Jesus is the story of all stories, then how are we responding? What part of this eternal story are you and me, through our actions, going to tell? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, enable us to be your storytellers through what we do and what we say, whether with our friends, whether in situations at work, whether in our communities or with our families, let our lives speak a little louder of your love. 
Amen.